0: You're listening to a sermon podcast from Lawson Heights Alliance Church. May God bless you as you listen. Well, I'm not sure if I mentioned it earlier, but I'm Pastor Tyler. I get to be the family ministries pastor here at Lawson Heights Alliance, and I've been looking forward to the opportunity to share with you. Um, We're in the middle of a series called Don't Fight Your Future, and over the last few weeks, Pastor Mike has been turning us towards Jesus so that we can embrace a future filled with new life in Christ. Last week, Pastor Mike reminded us that we can begin each day by focusing on Jesus and being just like Him. So backing up a little bit, this past January, I had the opportunity to take a couple of classes in my grad studies uh, at Miller College of the Bible at their Sunnybrae campus, and I'm very thankful for that. And um, one of the assignments I was given was to come up with um, a question about Jesus, or a question about the Bible. And as I began talking with a friend and thinking through the assignment, I felt it was a great opportunity for me, myself, to just in the middle of winter when it's cold and dark, to just rediscover who is Jesus? Who is this guy? In Luke chapter 8, Jesus and the disciples were traveling in a boat to the other side of the lake, and a big storm comes up. It looks like, while Jesus is napping. So turn with me in Luke chapter 8, we're just going to look at this briefly, but in Luke chapter 8, verse 24 and 25, Luke chapter 8, verse 24 and 25, Um, one of my favorite kind of unique passages of the Bible, in Luke chapter 8, verse 24 and verse 25, the disciples went and woke Jesus, they went and woke him, saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters, and the storm subsided and all was calm where's your faith he asked the disciples in fear and amazement they asked one another who is this he commands even the wind and the water and they obey him i love this passage because we get a demonstration of who jesus is we get a demonstration of god's power but then he asks where's your faith and the dis- there's, there's not really an answer to that. It's a rhetorical question of sorts. But then I, I actually really appreciate the disciples. They're looking at this guy, and they're getting to know him a little bit more and more. And they look at one another, and they say, who is this guy? I thought only God was able to do that, and he's doing that. Does that mean that he's God? But they have that honest question of who is Jesus. And that's what we want to look at this morning. There are times through our lives when I think it's helpful to look at the scriptures and rediscover who is Jesus. As we look ahead to a future filled with Christ, this week we're going to take a, an overview of a look at what Jesus did, the work that he did that set him apart. His life work clearly displays that there is something so amazing, so divine, so incredible about Jesus. I believe when we do take an authentic look at the work of Jesus from the scriptures, When we get an overview of what he did, we'll see that the work of Christ testifies that he is the Son of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. Everything Jesus did in his life and in ministry was done with purpose, intentionality. The inauguration of God's kingdom, the the launching forward of God's kingdom here on earth. In Luke 4, verse 43, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. The other towns also, because that is why I was sent, to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And so the first thing we notice here this morning is that Jesus' purpose was to proclaim the kingdom of God. When I feel like there's no purpose, we have the good news. We have this wonderful news to share with others. Throughout his journeys, Jesus taught and answered a variety of questions in a variety of ways. And in the midst of that, he displayed his perfect and complete understanding of ethics, of morality, and of God's will. Everywhere he went, Jesus taught with authority. And that's the second thing I want to highlight here this morning about Jesus, is that he did everything with purpose, and his purpose was the kingdom of God. And the second thing is that he taught with authority. Jesus consistently taught with authority and wisdom and understanding. Thankfully, we have the Bible so that we can continue to learn from his teaching and how wonderful it is to spend time reading in the morning or evening on Sundays, or every day, wherever we are. In Matthew seven, or pardon me, Matthew five to seven, Jesus taught to people while sitting on a mountain. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of his incredible teaching, he <clears throat> we read in Matthew seven, twenty-eight and twenty-nine, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. He was from God, he was with God, he was God. And he taught with an incredible kind of authority that they hadn't experienced before. They had these teachers who had been teaching them from the Old Testament, the the only testament they had at the time, right? But here was one who taught with an incredible authority they'd never encountered before. He knew it inside and out. It was right there in his heart. And so this morning I want to highlight um, three specific areas Uh, of Jesus' incredible authoritative teaching. Because when we don't know how to handle life situations, when I'm trying to figure out how to bring love into mercy, into my own life and and into my life network, I look to Jesus and his teaching. And so there's three three things that we're going to look at here quickly. First is the upside-down kingdom, then to love your enemies, and then uh, servant leadership. So Jesus' teaching was drastically different and even superior from the Pharisees and Sadducees and has been referred to, sometimes by some people, as an upside-down kingdom. They were expecting one thing and Jesus flipped things upside down. His teaching was so revolutionary. One author said, according to Jesus, we don't need a facelift. What we need is to be worn down and completely rebuilt. Born again, he called it. He wanted us right side up. And it's here, in the midst of his upside-down teaching, all throughout the New Testament, that people get an authentic reflection of God's heart, God's love, and God's grace as it came through Jesus. Jesus came to tell us things that probably should have been obvious, but weren't obvious. And he offered a worldview that was quite contrary to the worldview of of their culture and of our culture. He called us to repent, to turn completely around, and to be born again. The parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke uh, chapter 10, is one of many examples of his revolutionary teaching. Jesus used a Samaritan to illustrate God's incredible mercy. The Jewish ears would have been shocked to hear Jesus say that a Samaritan, an enemy, stops to help the victim. To select a Samaritan for the good guy was absolutely unthinkable. But Jesus was literally turning their social world upside down, or (laughs) I like to think of it as right side up. And so the second thing uh, that we're going to look at as far as Jesus' teaching is he did flip things upside down. He did turn things right side up, but he also, one of the things that he did was talking about loving your enemies. As Jesus ministered and taught about the kingdom of God, his understanding of love and his love for others was genuinely gracious and compassionate. This is an upside down kind of love that goes beyond personal passion or sweet friendship, or do-goodism, or even social justice. It was an agape love that supersedes all self-interest. It is more than unselfish feelings. It is a love which acts. It concretely loves even enemies. In Matthew five forty-four, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Once again, Jesus is showing his listeners that his teaching is exceptional, and that the kingdom of love is not stymied by religious or social conventions. The love Jesus lived out is greater than we could possibly imagine. He loved us so much. He loved humanity so much. That while we were his enemies, he died for us. When I see many of the difficult things that are going on around our world. The challenges we face in, in, in our country, and our homes. Uh, whether it's you know kids and bullying in schools or... Um, Different challenges in the workplace. Life is tough, but I'm reminded that we need to overcome it with kindness, that we can love our enemies. It is tough. I know I was just thinking of a situation earlier where um, there were some some kids being bullied, and so when they get really, really frustrated, what do they do? They start lashing out and, and hurting the bully. Well, that doesn't help anything, does it? Unfortunately, we can't control what other people do, but we can control our own actions. And it takes a lot of work to have some self-control and to not respond and to overreact and and to bully others in response. But we can't control others. We can control ourselves, and we can follow Jesus' example to love your enemies, to love those people who are hurting you. It's definitely easier said than done, isn't it? But that's that's what Jesus did, thankfully, and that's what we can do for ourselves as well. The third thing I want to highlight as far as Jesus is teaching is is what kind of servant he was, what kind of leader he was, right? Here he was, as he goes on throughout his ministry, he's called the king of the Jews. He is a leader. He is sent from God, but he is a servant. Every leader sets an example, and Jesus embodied and modeled love and also servant leadership. Jesus taught not just with words by his very life, but specific actions, such as washing his disciples' feet, By his incarnation, by becoming human, by his death on the cross, he modeled what it means to be a servant. When washing his disciples' feet in John 13, Jesus modeled humility and instructed his disciples to do likewise. In John 13, verse 15, he says, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that's what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you as an example that you should do as I have done for you. Jesus was a perfect example. He was perfect, and he was without sin. But he was also a willing servant who died for the sin of the world. And his life modeled that example for us to follow. In 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, we read, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. Jesus perfectly lived out a pursuit of knowing God, of following his will, and pursuing God's glory. And that was exemplified in his character, in his motive, and his agenda. And if we want to be servant leaders, we can look at opportunities to, to be people who have a character, a motive, and agenda that's fixed on Jesus. Jesus didn't come to fulfill his own goals. He came to do the will of God. His life work was to follow the will of God. He embodied humbly doing the will of the Father like no person has ever done or even ever will do. And he followed that all the way to the cross, all the way to his death. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus paid it all, all to him we owe, right? My sin has left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. He didn't want to go to the cross, as we read in Luke 22. But he was fully committed to God's will more than his own agenda. He basically asked the Father to spare him from the cross, but he goes anyway. In Luke 22:42, Jesus says, "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done." Jesus was more than amazing. He was incredible. We can look to his model and his example and his life, and he helps us uh, as we journey through life, but we can also uh, look to his example. In Philippians 2, one of my favorite passages when we're learning about Jesus. In Philippians 2, verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So we have here in the scriptures that reminder that Jesus followed the Lord, he followed God all the way to the cross. Every aspect of his life's work can be utilized as a model for us as believers, uh, as a model for everybody of what it looks like to walk in obedience and serve wholeheartedly. And what an opportunity we have to read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, so we can get a greater understanding of his amazing life work. We've talked about how Jesus taught with authority, the upside-down kingdom, the loving everyone and serving others. But as we do an overview of his life work, we're not done, of course. There's a lot to go through. I want to focus on two more things, the miracles he did and what we call the atonement Jesus actually performed miracles. And this is the thing that amazes me. When I'm looking at the scriptures, when I'm, trying to, when I'm revisiting and discovering who Jesus is, the fact that he actually performed these miracles just blows my mind. It is amazing. In fact, as I was going through, kind of highlighting for myself which, which miracles to, to kind of mention this morning that he did, I, the list kind of goes on and on. And that's why, if you notice on the back of your sermon notes, there's a list of the miracles Jesus did that I had found. Because I wanted to share that with you, so maybe in this in this coming week, in the coming months, in the coming year, if you want to continue to discover Jesus and His miracles, you can go through that list. Uh, it covers a good chunk of the of uh, the, the the Gospels, the history of His encounters with people in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and John. So, you know, reading those is also good too. But wow, Jesus did some incredible things. Jesus performed innumerable miraculous signs, wonders, and displays of power that set him apart from every person who ever lived, ever. These miracles testify to his authority and the unique relationship he had with his Heavenly Father. The New Testament itself presents Jesus' miracles and exorcism of demons as evidence that Jesus has the authority and power of God. Jesus' miracles implicitly identify him with God by doing what God alone can do. We could placed these miracles, as you'll notice on the back of your bulletin there, in four categories. Healings, exorcisms, restoration of life, and natural nature miracles. Jesus healed a man with leprosy. The woman who touched his cloak, two blind men. He cast out demons who couldn't speak. He cast out demons from a Canaanite girl, a boy with a demon. On the Sabbath day, when apparently he wasn't supposed to be casting out demons, he was supposed to be resting, Jesus set a lame woman free after 18 years. He restored life to the official's daughter. Lazarus himself was resurrected as well. He turned water into wine. He caught boatloads of fish, walked on water, and fed thousands of people. John would even say that Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. Can you imagine? He did so, we got There's 35 listed there. But he did so many miracles John says the whole world wouldn't have enough room for the books that would be written about what he did. That's incredible that we have, not only do we have the record of all the things that he did, but there's just even more than we can possibly imagine. That's one of the things that I find so encouraging when I revisit who Jesus is. He is so amazing, so incredible. And the fourth thing that we definitely don't want to forget is that Jesus took the full punishment for our sins? Jesus died as a substitute in our place. And that's what we call substitutionary atonement. Having just celebrated Easter, hopefully the work of the cross is fresh in our memories. Hopefully we, we are able to revisit that often, but we want to make sure that we revisit it this morning. In Matthew 20, verse 28, the Son of Man did not come to serve, but, pardon me, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. And 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. Humanity has a problem. We have a sin nature. Humanity, we experience brokenness all around us, don't we? We've been plagued by propensity to be held captive to a lifestyle of doing Uh, our life on our own, a lifestyle of sin. God's justice demands uh, payment for that sin in order to cover, to wipe away, and mercifully forgive people. No sacrifice was completely sufficient until he sent Jesus. Humanity was alienated from God by sin, but Christ has come to reconcile us to God, to make us right with him. And salvation is achieved by the the course of Christ's life, but focus especially on the cross and his resurrection. Christ died in our place and was punished for our sins that we might be set free. In a book called uh, More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell, he said, Yes, one can say I forgive you, but only if he is the one who has been sinned against. If you sin against me, I have the right to forgive you. But if you sin against somebody else, I have no such right. And so all the wrong that we do, the sin that we do, ends up being sin against God. But Jesus, who is in the very nature of God, actually is able to forgive us. Having both a human and divine nature, Christ's work brings us back to God by paying the penalty for our sin, and that further establishes his authority and his power. 1 John 2, verse 2 says, He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus' purpose was to do the will of the Father, and he inaugurated the kingdom of God. His atoning sacrifice was the way. This is the way. There was no other way. He alone is the divine Lord of heaven and earth. He took the full punishment that we deserve for our sins and as a substitute in our place. So I know for myself, when I feel unloved and alone, Jesus welcomes me in and has adopted me into his family. He has endured the pain of this world all the way to the cross. And he's not dead though, right? He is not dead. He is alive. My sin is nailed to the cross. My soul is healed by his scars. The weight of guilt we bear no more when we, when we turn away from our sin and we place our faith in Jesus. As we look to the work of Christ, we see that his teaching was filled with superior ethical instruction and divine authority. Jesus' servant leadership was the perfect model of humble obedience. We see the miracles of Jesus performed. They demonstrate his power and his authority. And his atoning sacrifice paid the penalty for humanity's sin. The work Jesus did testifies that he is the son of God who takes away the sin of the whole world. We can trust him for forgiveness of sin and eternal life. Friends, our our future is in good hands because of the work of Christ. Because of what he did. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, uh, one of the things that he had said is, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And he truly meant it and lived it. That was his life's work. And in response to his incredible and perfect life's work, I personally find myself amazed and in awe of who Jesus is and what he's done for the glory of God. And so I encourage you to stand as our worship team comes, and we're going to stand and sing. Sing praise to Jesus. Because who he is, what he's done is incredible and it changes everything. Through him we can be forgiven, transformed, and made new. Let's pray as our team comes and as we stand. Father, we thank you for this day and we thank you for the reminder we have of, of who Jesus is. He is our Savior. And when we place our faith in him, we know we're forgiven. And so God, as we're here in person and online, wherever we may be, I pray that you would continue to stir in our hearts a hunger and a thirst for righteousness, a hunger and a thirst for Christ. As we draw close to you, may you continue to show us how amazing and how awesome Jesus is. And it's in his name we pray, amen.